When you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end. Of a stone, there's a golden sky and the sweet silver sound of love. Walk on through the Welcome to the Eurotrips podcast. This week's special is on Liverpool. So usually Andy is the host, but today I'll be asking him some questions about Liverpool. So Andy, how are you? I'm, I'm good, mate. I'm good. I, it's um, it's nice to see you hosting. It's um, it's a refreshing change. <laughs> yeah, well, don't get used to it. <laughs> I, won't be t- I won't be trying to take your job. No, but yeah. So me. as I mentioned before, this week's special is on Liverpool. So. I'll be asking Andy a few questions about um, team he supports. So, Andy, the first question I have for you is, what made you start to support Liverpool? How did you get into it? Well, it's a funny story. It's basically got forced on me when I was really young. Basically, my dad is a huge Liverpool fan as well. I think he he became a fan. Um, obviously, we both live in Wales, which get, get a lot of stick for the fact that we're Welsh Liverpool fans. But uh, remember my dad, um, he grew up in the Valleys and he... Um, he remember he, his first game he ever watched on TV was Liverpool. I think it was Liverpool Arsenal in the FA Cup final. And <laughs> I, he said Liverpool actually lost to Arsenal, but he just fell in love with the team, the colours of the kit, and things like that. So yeah. that's how he has. That's how my dad became a fan of Liverpool. And then when he had my old my brother, my oldest brother, um, he sort of had this viewpoint that um, I'm not going to make my kid force the team on him. I'm going to let him choose his team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then my brother chose Manu. Um, so my dad said, you know, when, when my next son is old enough, I'm going to make sure that he becomes a fan, basically, of Liverpool. So, well, so yeah, I think, was, <laughs> I, I think I originally for a day or two like Newcastle because my uncle looks like Alan Shearer. Um, yeah. and I, also, he was a big player at the time. But I think my dad made sure that that wasn't going to happen. Um, and he basically, from the age of two or three, he made sure that I was Liverpool through and through. I think then when I turned about six is when I really started to support Liverpool. I think it was the... 2001, 2002 season. It's the first I remember was that year. Uh, I think it was the year after we won the treble, I believe. Uh, I remember it was the year... My only, my only memory from that season was um, seeing Danny Murphy score at the Emirates. And the Emirates at Highbury. Um, but yeah, 
obviously the first couple of years was a bit, was a bit blurry, still sort of early on in my life. But it's yeah, to answer, answer your question in a short answer, basically just my dad made made me a Liverpool fan when I, when I was a kid and I sort of stuck with it and I have ever since. You can't complain. It's not it's not, not a bad team to, to support, is it? So at least you've seen yeah. so- at least you've seen some trophies anyway, so... Yeah, not, after, what, after what of not. I think I saw three trophies in 18 years or something, I think. Wow. The first trophy I remember was the um, the League Cup. We beat Man U 2-0 in the League Cup final 2003, and then, then the Champions League and FA Cup. But I think after that, 2006 FA Cup win, I think it literally just won trophy in 2012 until we won the Champions League in 2019. So... A lot of my childhood, especially seeing my brother as a Man U fan win a lot of trophies. Um, I didn't see a lot of successful trophies. That we saw my childhood was probably spent in sort of the the worst times in our club's history. You look at the Roy Hodgson era. You look at the um, sort of the end of the Houdier era, things like that. It wasn't. Yeah, it's been up and down. I think obviously it's good at the moment, but I think for years it wasn't, especially the turn of the the the, the 2010s. That that was not a good era. In our in my time sporting the club, well, it's better days now anyway. You're in you're in the right direction now. So um, it, until Klopp leaves, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it depends on who you get to replace him, really. But I, th- I think but, I think I think we all know. I think I think every Liverpool fan. I think especially when obviously Gerald's contract is said to be ending the same year as Klopp's. I think it's um, obviously he's made it. In the, he said in an interview once that obviously it's his dream, but um, he doesn't want to do the job until he's ready. So I think that's probably what's going to be. Probably when Klopp finally leaves, I think I can only see it being Gerald. Unless Gerald does a really bad job at, at Villa, I can only see it being one way and Gerald takes over. Right. So um, my next question is, um, your favourite Liverpool player from your time well, to them? Well, I just mentioned him, Stephen Gerald, without a doubt. I mean, in terms of idols, I mean, growing up, he was probably my other dad. He was just like... Um, Obviously, my, one of my earliest memories is him almost leaving to Chelsea. That was one of my earliest memories. I think my first ever shirt was a Mike Cohen shirt. And then, obviously, he left for Madrid. And then um, Gerard sort of was there. He became captain in 2003. And literally, my whole childhood was watching him at his best. And literally, he is my absolute idol. I, I don't think I could love any Liverpool player more than Steven Gerrard. I think that there's no player that will ever come to Liverpool for the rest of my life that will have the same kind of impact that he did on my life um, just the amount of goals the type of goals he scored the amount of goals he scored from midfield mm. it's just his, his character his personality is just really infectious um, and it's just yeah so many so many so many things I could say about the team and Gerald in a positive way um, you look at the obviously the FA Cup final that was named the Gerald final you look at the Istanbul the way he led the team to a comeback from from that um, and all the things, the hat-trick against Everton, the almost hat-trick against Man U, Old Trafford. Um, it's just an awful shame that he never got to win the Premier League. It's a, it's such a shame for him because he's, by, for me, the, by far the best player never to win a Premier League. Um, oh, yeah, up there, yeah. He literally, like, I think that was the one thing he's missing. I think, I think yeah, that's the one thing. And it's an awful shame that the way it happened, you know, in that second-to-last season he had when we were going to almost win the league and then, the certain S word happened against Chelsea, and it, it's um, yeah, it's, it's such a shame that he never got to win that Premier League. I think if he won the Premier League, I think that we know that he's one of the best midfielders of his generation. But I think that lack of Premier League has really sort of haunted him after his 
during his career and after him, really. So, but yeah, for me, other players I've loved, like Roberto Firmino, um, Mo Salah, Jordan Henderson, but for me, Stephen Gerrard by far uh, is number one for me. It's by far the king. Yeah, he's one one of the one of the great um, Premier League midfielders. Yeah. Um, yeah, even even as an arrival fan, yeah, he he did he did score some good goals against us, to be fair. But um, yeah, he was he was a good player, to be fair. It's just it's a shame that obviously it didn't really work out in the England squad with with that um, mm. generational talent they had. But it's more more egos more than anything, really, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I think that's that actually good, that's a good point because I think yeah, that team really should have won trophies with you know with. That that team they had was it Lampard, Gerrard, Scholes, Rooney, Michael Owen, Sol Campbell, John Terry, Ashley Cole, uh, Gary Neville. That team on paper is amazing, but I think this is why for me I think the England team has done so well recently is that they're all friends. And yeah, that's it. From all you hear from their time in England in the World Cup, whether that's 2004 Euros, whether that's the World Cup 2006 or 2010, they they, they say they all have little clicks. Like they all had the Man U players in one table, the, the Chelsea yeah. boys in one table, the, the the Scousers in one table. And I think that usually these they see people like Declan Rice and Mason Mount, best mates um, from a young age. Um, you got De- they also go on holiday together with Luke Shaw and Ben Chilwell. I think Ben Chilwell was very popular with a lot of players I've seen. And yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of togetherness. I think that's what one thing they were missing, certainly during Gerald's time at the um, at the club. And I think, yeah, I think that if they had the same relationship that these players do now for England, I think they're way better on paper. I think England would have won by far at least one trophy, if not two. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But you know what could have been, but you know. Here's what it is really at the end of the day, isn't it? But um, yeah. Next, next question to you is your favourite ever Liverpool goal that you've seen. Uh, it's Gerard again. <laughs> um, <laughs> is this is going to be dominated by Gerard. <laughs> yeah, and he will be going. That's a little spoiler. He will be going into my my starting eleven. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is his goal against West Ham. I think for me, um, yeah, the Istanbul game. I was was it ten years old at the time. I remember. That game is still slightly blurry in terms of the memory. I remember all the three Milan goals. And I remember the um, the, the goal by Spitzer, but weirdly not the ones by Gerald and Alonso. And obviously, I remember the shootout and the Dudek save, etc. And it's a good. It's obviously that's why it's so good that I had that Champions League win in 2019, where I obviously remember it all in full. But obviously, that next year, FA Cup final, I remember the whole day in full. I remember in the morning, I went to. Um, had some like school fate or something. I remember rushing home to get to the final. I got home just as Carragher scored the own goal in the final. And obviously yeah. then the, the, the performance he made in that game. And then we went 3-2 down to Konchesky, who's one of the worst players I've seen in Liverpool shit, <laughs> if not the worst. Um, uh, and then for them to come back and in that 90, in 90, just, just as they say, they put the four minutes on the, on the advertising board. They put four minutes on the, um, he just hits an absolute rocket. And that goal for me is a goal I could watch about I think I probably have watched on YouTube about 400 times. It's, it's just the, the the type of goal he scored in that fight in a, in a final in stoppage yeah. time when um you know when when players are getting tired it's sort of it seemed always lost to to do that it's just exceptional. I mean you look at even the same game he got another goal and he got an assist for Jibril Cisse. Um, oh God, I remember him. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a character, wasn't he? But. Yeah, I think that for me that goal will always be number one. I think there's other goals I've left, like you know the Wijnaldum goal against Barca, the one that equalised, made it three all on aggregate. There's obviously the um, other goals like obviously the Divock Origi against Tottenham in the final. You've got goals like um, other goals I can't think of the top of my head, but there's other goals I've left. But for me, 
No goal comes even close to that Gerald one against West Ham. Oh, no, it won't. I remember watching that game as well. You know, West Ham was so close to um, obviously winning winning the tie. And then, yeah, Gerald just literally pops out of nowhere. And then, I think, like, was it 35 yards out? It was quite Something far like out. that, yeah. And it's just, Crazy. I remember just, yeah, it was just, I remember, I remember just going in my house, obviously watching it with my dad and my mum, my brother. Me and my dad always like hug when you score goals together but that was I think that's the most you've ever hugged I think until <laughs> until that love and goal against Dortmund so that was um yeah, yeah I remember going absolutely crazy as a kid that was that was to me that was a point where I turned from a Gerard fan to him being my absolute idol that was a point where it turned for me that was a point where I just absolutely loved the man and that's that was just when it really the love, love affair really started for me with oh, Steve yeah. Gerrard all right. Um, okay, my next question is: Your favourite memory during your time supporting Liverpool? Um, Surprisingly, so this is actually this isn't actually one with Gerard. It's um, oh. it's winning the Premier League. Uh, oh, for okay. me, it's something I dreamed of all my life. I remember I had many times I, I had dreams in bed of um, as winning the league, and I woke up being annoyed that we it wasn't actually true. For years and years, see, I think also goes back to the whole thing of seeing my brother as a Man U fan see them win league after league after league and obviously I was very sport early on my my time supporting Liverpool with the League Cup and then the Champions League and FA Cup and then for me it was just always a desire to win the Premier League you know seeing the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal win leagues it just made me more hungry and then when Leicester won it thinking oh they won it why can't we and it was just to have the times before where you know where we were going against Man U for the league title in 2008 2009 when we came so close at one point to Coming, um, sort of, um, doing an amazing comeback. I think Manny went when I really bad run of form when Mbappé scored those two goals, and then obviously the the season we came second to City, where uh, the Gerard incident happened, and then even the year where the year before we won, won the league, it was at a time when we got 97 points and we didn't win the league. I mean, for me at that point, I was thinking, Never if we haven't won it, then when are we going to win it? And I just thought it was one of those things where we were just going to be one of those teams that were unlucky to be in and around an amazing team in City. So for me, yeah, it was winning the league because that's something I dreamt of all my life. Um, I remember actually once I was with my friend Max. He, he asked me a question: Would you rather win a million pounds or see Liverpool win the league? And I said Liverpool win the league. So um, for me, it was always on my thing for years. It was always a almost an obsession, I'd say, almost an obsession because I think it was something I was constantly thinking about. I know when when, he, when he, if we started off well in the season, we lost a few games. I thought the world was over, the world was going to end. And then also the season we had to go on that amazing run and then for COVID to hit, I think for me that the panic hit then because I thought it's just typical that the one year we have this amazing run and we were 19, 20 points ahead of that point, even yeah. maybe even more points ahead of that point. And for the whole league to be potentially curtailed was just a massive panic. It was just massive, massively worrying. I mean, I think every day I looked at my phone and checked the words null and void and Premier League. <laughs> That's everyone wanted there, didn't they? To yeah, them. I mean, yeah. Man U fans definitely did. City fans, oh, yeah. Everton fans definitely did as well. And I think that <laughs> it seemed all the teams, like, I know all the teams that are down the bottom as well, like teams like Norwich, Watford, West Ham are all sort of thinking of, I remember Cameron Brady and Troy Deeney particularly being very vocal mm. for their own sort of selfish reasons. Same as me, as wanting it to continue. And then thankfully, when I got that news that the season was, was resuming, it was just like, me and my dad went up, we're just, were just over the moon because we both knew. I think at that point, every, every fan knew, I think after the Man U win in January, I think it was when Salah scored that goal at the end, I think that was the point where most fans... You know, most fans thought that was that was the moment, and I think that when the season restarted, it was just amazing to have that football back. 
and obviously then when we when eventually we were crowned champions, when we, I remember watching the um, City Chelsea game with my dad, and we both just hugged after the game. It hadn't quite sunk in. The actual moment, the realization hadn't actually sunk in for me that we won the league. It was still very like didn't quite feel real. And then obviously the game we watched against Chelsea. I remember having a few beers with my mum and dad. We had, we we normally have. We normally watch games on different sofas, but that game we had it all, and we all sat on the same seat in the same sofa, watched the whole game, albeit a thriller as well, five three against Chelsea, and then to watch the, the whole title being knitted together was just a special moment. Not only to see Liverpool win the league, but also just to share it with my family in such testing times in the world that COVID was. Yeah. So for me, um, it was definitely Liverpool winning the Premier League um, two seasons ago. Well, the Champions League against Tottenham, no? Well, <laughs> that, that, that's up there. That is up there. I mean. Um, that is definitely, but I think that would, that would have been the moment until a year later. But I think for me, purely because of the fact that we, I, I'd not seen us win the league and it'd been such an obsession for me, um, that's got to be the moment for me. Okay, yeah. it's a good, good moment. You know, hopefully one day I'll be able to see our, our my team, you know, lift the Champions League or Premier League. But you know, this well, that's, be- that's the thing I always say to you, don't I? That um, it just takes a few, a good manager and a good sort of a good recruitment, and all things can change. I mean, look at us. Was it 2014, 15? We had our front three with Barini, Lambert, and Balotelli. We were struggling. Gerald was leaving. All was going wrong in the world, and then we got Klopp in. Michael Edwards, I think, arrived a year or two before Klopp came in, and obviously the recruitment we've made since he's come in. Look at amount of players top sport, and how many of them have been flops? Not many. I mean, Minamino's not done well. Um, obviously, his first signing, Marco Gruich, didn't really break through. But look at getting Mane for thirty-six million, which seems a bargain right now. Same as Salah for the same price. You know, we paid the money for Allison and Van Dijk last because we sold Coutinho, um, and all, we just every player we bought, like Robertson. Eight million pounds from a relegated team has become for me the best left back in the league, if not the world. Um, Trent coming through in the youth team. We got Wayne Alden came from the Newcastle team that was relegated, albeit twenty-five million pounds, but he became a cult hero with the Barcelona game and, and the goals he scored in that in that season in the league as well. And yeah, he, I think it just takes smart business, smart recruitment, and a good management, and all things can change. And I think for you guys, yeah, it's a testing time for you guys now, but give it time and you get you get the right players in, you get the right recruitment, all things can change. That's it. And obviously now it's much more harder to win a league now because you've got so many teams competing to win the league. Like, if you did win one, say, the next couple of years, um, hypothetically, then, yeah, I, I would enjoy it uh, uh, quite a lot because yeah, the, the league's just getting stronger and stronger now. and mm, More money as well. More money getting it, yeah, trapped um, in and... I mean, years ago, it was always when it was always the same four, wasn't it? It was always Arsenal, Man U. For years, it was just, just Arsenal, Man U, wasn't it? Early 2000s, just them two competing. And then Chelsea I think Man U won about seven Premier Leagues in the first 10 years of its, of its existence. Oh, yeah, science stupid like that, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously and Chelsea came in with Mourinho and the money, and then City came in with their money as well, and then we came back. And So the league's far more competitive than it was 10 years ago, I'd say, 15 years ago. Oh, 100%. Um, right, yeah, so my next question. I just want to get your thoughts... Um, on your season so far currently um and obviously i know last season wasn't the greatest you know you hit with quite a lot of injuries you're playing you're playing midfielders at center back um your, your, oh, squad, God, was, yeah. your squad was uh, stretched quite well you know you had that crazy run at home after, you know you've lost was it six in a row or something at home yeah something, yeah something crazy like that but then obviously you turn it around and you obviously you still manage to finish third um only obviously was it five points behind man united um so yeah, what what's your thoughts so far this season? Because obviously you sit um 
He's currently sit fourth um, this season. You've, you've drawn quite a few games, um, and in some of those games, you have you, have, you, have, you are starting to concede quite um, quite a few goals. Um, but obviously, I know obviously Liverpool is always known for obviously good defence. Um, you do you do obviously always score a lot of goals. Obviously, the highest scorers so far this season. But um, yeah, how 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 you? What's your thoughts so far this season? Are you happy with what you're seeing, or any any room for concerns? Anything that concerns you? Um, yeah. So what's what's your thoughts so far this season? It's a bit a bit of a mixture, I'd say, because I think you know there's been some really good positive. I think you look at until his injury, Harvey Edit was really doing well. Yeah. Um, obviously, Curtis Jones has been good this season. Um, he's having sort of more regular game time, and obviously we've got had the five one win against Manny, which is. Already in my top ten favorite games of all time, um, and yeah, I think I think for me it's been it's been, it's been a, a good season, but it's I think for us, thankfully, it's still quite tight at the top. And I think we're only four points off Chelsea at, on top, so I think that all to play for. And we showed in the games against Chelsea, City, that we can be competitive against the teams. And I think these big six games are the ones that are going to determine the season. Yeah. But, on the flip side, you got the draws against Brentford and Brighton, which I don't mind the West Ham loss because West Ham are in good form and they're a good team. So I don't really mind. That's not something I can be too annoyed about because West Ham away in good form, that's a hard game to play. Um, but for me, the Brentford and Brighton, Brighton draws particularly for me were frustrating because um, I didn't watch the Brighton game because I was at the Dortmund game whilst it was on. But watching the Brentford game, I mean, Brentford again... There's a lot of buzz about them this season. Their first season in the Premier League, so they're going to be up for these games against the big teams. But I think to have you know have that lead to make it three two after going down a one a one nil and two one to, to lose that lead was frustrating. Um, yeah, defensively, I think that yeah, I think Canati uh, looked good against Manu, but everyone did. Um, and yeah. Matt Bobby, I think for me, maybe we should have played Matip against Brighton and for me, we should have played Canate against West Ham, not the other way around. Because I think, firstly, Matip was in good form. There was no need to drop him. But I think in terms of the way Brighton play, I think that, um, sorry, the way West Ham play it, um, I think that someone who's built really strong like Canate would have been perfect for that sort of physical, so, you know, likes of Antonio, people like that. Whereas I think the way Brighton play maybe would have suited Joel Matip more than Canate because from all I've heard, Canate had an absolute stinker that game. But overall, I think that for us, I think for, I think we can't really... I think top four is the, the expectation. I think we will get that. Uh, but I think we we mentioned before about the fact that it's so competitive and at the top of the league. I think that um, it's so hard these days to like win two leagues in three years. Or Obviously, City have done it, but they've got amazing depth. And that's the issue I've got as well, that we saw Wayne Aldum and didn't replace him. I know we you know, we, we, we bought Canate, but I, I, I think really we should have... Um, really had something in mind because I know obviously it seems like they were expecting to play Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott and sort of play more of them but then obviously the Elliott injuries hit mm-hmm. and I just think that I, I, to see, the reason to give Adrian a new contract but not give Wijnaldum one is beyond me really um, and I still don't know why we haven't given Salah a new contract yet um, but at the same time it's so early days 11 games in so to be for four points off top and I think that no team really season has been and has been inconsistent. It has been consistent. You look at City lose to Palace, Chelsea drawn to Burnley. I mean, we lost to West Ham, drew with Brentford, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think there's no sort of team that's sort of head of the pack in terms of the no. league. So I think that we've got to just hope that we can just 
be competitive in these games against the big sick and just and just cut out these draws against um, the lesser teams. And I think I think off the Champions League as well, we've won all that games in what was seen as a group of death. I mean, Porto, Atletico, and AC Milan. We've already gone through top spots. So hopefully, we'll rest players and play our second team in those games, and then have our players fresh then for for the rest of our league games coming up. I see. Because looking, I was just having a look at um, the home and away table. Yeah, your your away form is, although you've lost, is um, you've got you picked up more points away from home than you have at. Well, your your top, your top of the uh, table for obviously um, for points um, accumulated away, and then at home your seventh best team. So I know you haven't lost um, any games, but I think it's just the draws that have kind of obviously, um, obviously yeah. brought that down a bit. But um, yeah, so so. Um, Obviously, just looking forward a little bit. Um, what, what do you think will happen against uh, my team, Arsenal, um, next weekend? Do you reckon? Do you reckon you do the usual and batter us, or do you reckon it'll be a bit more of a tight game um, this season? Because obviously we've been on a decent run, but this is a proper test. Obviously, away at Anfield, a ground that we haven't won in over nine years. So um, yeah, it'll be a good test for that. But what do you what do you reckon will happen in that game? You know, it's tough. I, I don't think at all. I don't think it'll be a battering. I think that this is probably the most nervous I've been for an Arsenal game in years. I think that this is the best I've seen Arsenal in a few years now. I think that they're in good form. I know they, I know they lost those defeats early on, those heavy defeats, but I think since then they've been excellent. And I do think that they're going to form in good spirit. I mean, the international break may kill their, their sort of momentum. I don't know. Uh, but the same thing, I think... I think we needed a break. I think we needed that break because we were yeah. dropping points a few times recently. So I think that is good. a break's good for us. But we have at times come back from international breaks and being really rusty. So it's interesting because I think that I, I, I'm still backing us to win the game, but I don't think for a second it's going to be easy like it has been in recent years at Anfield. I yeah. think that, you know, people like Smith Rowe, Lacaz, not Lacaz, Abamyang, and even Ramsdale have been, have been good this season. So I do, I, I do fear Arsenal. Um, but I've I've got to think at home we will just beat them. Um, but it is so hard to tell because Arsenal are in spectacular form at the moment. They haven't lost a game since that since that five 0 loss against City. Which is yeah, no, we haven't. Yeah, we're unbeaten and unbeaten in all comps um, since mm, that. So yeah, yeah this, this goes to show really, doesn't it? But um, right uh, before we finish up, I just want to know your best eleven for Liverpool players that you've seen. Um, and yeah, if you can give me your formation, I can take a note of that. Yeah, so I've gone for 4-3-3. Um, so, so, yeah, who have you um, gone for in goal then? Who's... Um, I've gone for Addison. I think Pepe Reina was an absolute cult hero. Um, and I think if we'd won more trophies, I may be pulling him there. But I think, for me, Addison has is, is been there for all the, most of the good times in my time supporting the club. He was, for me, I think he should have got man of the match in that Champions League final. He made some excellent saves in that final, some crucial saves late on. Um, and he's also knew he had a bad game on on Sunday, but I think he's been for most of the time at the club he's been excellent, and I think that he's been he is the, he is he's a modern goalkeeper. He is the definition mm-hmm. of a modern goalkeeper, same as his Brazilian counterpart at Edison. And I think that he's just been so crucial. I remember years ago when Mourinho said Czech wins Chelsea fifteen points a year, and I think Allison uh, has been in recent years the exact same. I mean. He came in, obviously came in, won the Champions League, then he's won the Premier League and Club World Cup, etc. So he's been there for the good times. And for me, I think that is, I can't bet anyone else but Alisson because he's been the goalkeeper for the best time during my time sporting Liverpool. And he, um, he also came from Roma, didn't he? 
Yeah, yeah. I remember he actually played, we played Roma in the Champions League semi-final when he beat them 5-2 at home. Oh, yes, and, I remember that, yeah. And yeah, that, he was also, I remember him in goal there. And I knew about him because I knew he was getting games ahead of Edison. I was thinking, this guy must be good. And obviously, we bought him and he's been a revelation, really. Um, which also, I, just, I just remember that. That's the stadium we went to, wasn't it, recently? Stadio Olimpico, the Roma Stadium. Oh, oh yes, it was. That's a shame the team wasn't the same it was a couple of years ago, the great players that they had there. But mm. yeah. Right, so have you gone for what right back then? Um, there's only really one candidate for me, and that's Trent Alexander-Arnold. I mean, we've had some absolute stinkers. I mean, um, I like Tarbaloa, um, and I, I think apart from that, we've had, God bless him, Stephen Darby wasn't the best for us. Um, and it's not many, Glenn Johnson was really inconsistent. Um, we had, I can't think of else we had, no, we had other, we had, we had, I thought Klein was all right. I, I liked Klein. I liked Nathaniel Klein. I thought he was a solid 7 out of 10 player, same as Steve Finnan. Mm. Uh, but never like a 10 out of 10 player. But Trent, for me, uh, again, similar as Alisson, has been there for the best times in my life supporting the club. Um, and he's just the assist king. He has been in, in his time for Liverpool and he's still really young. And obviously, he's a local lad as well, which makes it really good as well. Um, and yeah, he's just, I think, he's just really exciting to watch. And I think, again, same as Alisson being the modern goalkeeper, he's a modern fullback. And I think that he is so crucial to our team that I don't think I'd put him in centre mid. Like, there's a lot of talk of him being put in centre mid, but I, I yeah. would keep him right back because I think that yeah, keep him there. Yeah, yeah. For, for our system we have and the amount of overlapping runs he makes in that in that defence going forward, I think that he for me is by far probably the easiest choice of the whole list. Maybe apart from one midfielder I, I've mentioned <laughs> about 400 times so far, but yeah, Right, next, uh, we're going to move to left-back. So, um, who's your left-back you've gone for? Um, Andy Robertson. Again, not a great selection of, of left-backs. We've had, I mean, I mentioned before, Konchesky's the worst player I've seen at the club. <laughs> um, I, re- I, I really liked a radio. I really liked a radio. I was thought he was yeah, such he a shame. Was. He was so injury-prone. It was such a shame because he was... He scored that, that free kick in the 4-1 win at Old Trafford. He was just, me, again, really reliable, really solid. Um, we had other people. We had um, Andre de Senna, who had, who oh, was yeah, pretty bad for us. Um, and he scored against Man United. Yeah, oh. he, in that same game, that four one. In the same week, he scored. Came off the bench in both games. So we beat Madrid four nil at Anfield in the Champions League. He scored the fourth, and then we beat Man U the following day, a few days later, and um, they beat them four one. And he scored get a goal coming off the bench again. So. I can't hit him too much because he had that had that impact in that sense. But apart from that, he was truly terrible. Emiliano and Sua had a good start, but he wasn't good enough for the shirt. Um, who do you have? Yeah, Jose Enrique, who again started off well, had a first good few six months, but then he tailed off. Um, who was left back? Oh, Alberto Moreno. He was truly terrible. Uh, he was shocking. Um, same as someone like Dejan Lovren. We had them two in the same back for one point. That was oh, terrible times. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Robertson, he's just a legend. I mean, he's quite, he's sort of, every sort of scuffle of, or sort of ag that we have on the pitch, he's always involved. He's always there. He's always um, up for, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and he's always, he always gives his best. He always, he, he's got a massive engine on him. He's always just running like a mad thing. And he's just, and I, I've read his, I read his book in the summer. That was really enjoyable as well. He's he's a character. He's really funny. Um, and he, I think he's really integral to that dressing room. I think for his personality as well as on the pitch. Um, from yeah, again, easy choice again. Just due to not a great selection, but yeah, for me, Andy Robertson left back. Okay, and your two centre backs. One will not surprise you one bit, but one will surprise you. I think um, Virgil Van Dijk's one of them. I think for me, again, same as my 
all my three previous players. He's been there for the best time in my career. He's, for me, I think he's the best centre-back I've seen at the club. Um, he can do everything. He can head the ball. He's strong. He's quick. He can tackle. His awareness is amazing um, most of the time. Uh, he's he's got just, a good pass on him as well, to be fair. Yeah, he, he's really good at sort of bringing the ball out from the back. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing we missed massively last year when he got injured was his presence in the back. And he's got, I think really he's like, I think when Milner goes, when Hen- I think he will be the vice captain once Milner retires or leaves. I think that he is one of our leaders in the whole team. I think he's just excellent. Um, and yeah, he's just really good. But my, my other centre back, I could have gone for Carragher, not only because I've met him, uh, but also he's just a legend. I've gone for Daniel Agger as my other centre back. Oh, Daniel Agger. Okay. Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah. I love that. I loved him so much. I mean, I actually had a Daniel Agger shirt. Uh, this is actually a fun fact for you. I actually want. To, I, it was a year he came second to Man City in 2013-14. The preseason, I actually went out and got Liverpool shirt, and I got Daniel Agger five shirt. I, I absolutely loved the man. I think he just embraced Liverpool life. He had the YNWA as his um, on his knuckles. You never walk alone. Yeah. He just embraced Liverpool, and I think he was just again shame he was so injury prone because when he was playing, I loved him. He could, he could play out from the back. He scored some absolute bangers for us. Um, he was just a warrior. Um, and yeah, I think for me, I, I had a real soft spot for Daniel Agger. I think obviously people like Carragher probably are better than him on paper, but I think that I think Agger was just someone I really loved to watch. And he was one of my favorite players of all time at Liverpool, which may surprise a few people listening to this podcast, but I, I did love Daniel Agger. Yeah, people fall in love with different sort of players, you know, because no one's. Yeah. No one's opinions um, wronger than the other, but it, it makes me laugh. It's always it's always the good players at um, our cl- our clubs that are always out for a long period of time. It's never really the crappy ones that are, are injury prone, if that if that makes sense. Like, it's... yeah, it'd be nice if um, people like Adrian and Dejan Lovren got injured for long spells, <laughs> yeah. but they seem to always be fit. <laughs> yeah, like what's good? Why is all the crap players? <laughs> <laughs> right, um, moving on to your midfield then. So. Um, you might as well, yeah, give me all three of your midfielders, I'm guessing. Well, I've given you a lot of recent players. I'm going to give you a lot of old-school players here. Mm. Um, for me, these three played in the exact same era. Um, I've gone for the middle three of Mascherano, Javi Alonso and Steven Gerrard. I mean, that middle three was amazing. It had everything you wanted. You had the tough tackling defensive side of Mascherano. You had the passing range of Alonso. And then you had the scoring ability of Steven Gerrard's and the leadership. So I think... For me, that defence three is not only the best midfielders I've seen at the club, but also just they work well so well together, actually playing together. Also, I love I love Henderson and I love I love Coutinho, people like that. Um, but for me, I just can't hide away from these three players. I think all three of them were amazing. I mean, Lonzo scored the penalty in the Istanbul game. Mascherano was just an absolute warrior. Uh, I used to hate him for a few years because he left, but I sort of really got over that in like a few years after that. Um, but yeah, I think for me, obviously Gerald. I've mentioned Gerald before. Everyone knows my feelings on him, um, and I think that front, that middle three would work. I think that'd be a really good, really good midfield for any team. All right. Um, yeah, it was that was a good midfield um, when they all three of them played. Mm-hmm. The Steelers offered something. All of them offered um, offered something different, really, didn't they? But yeah, um, yeah. right, going to your front three, um, we'll start with your left, or your left-sided winger or left forward. Who, who have you gone for? This is my issue. We've had we've had so many good attackers. I mean, Michael was my first was my first hero, um, and obviously people like I could have had Suarez in here, which for me on paper, if looking at the best players, he'd be in here by a mile. But I think mm-hmm. looking at favorite players, 
I had I had obviously one obvious right winger, but I had two strikers I wanted to put in. Okay. So but one, so my left winger is Fernando Torres. Um, <laughs> I think that he he come that couldn't. I think him and the strike I'm going to choose, and the, even the right winger can can always alternate. I think these three could easily do it. Yeah, for me Torres, I think me my he's probably my second favorite player of all time at Liverpool. I I absolutely love Torres. Obviously, he was at his peak when he was at, with us. He was at his peak during my sort of teenage years, and he was just like it's just something I really fell in love with. And he was just like obviously very easy on the eye, um, but also just really good to watch on the pitch as well. And he was he was just someone I I think a lot of Liverpool fans fell in love with. And there's obviously he was obviously moved to Chelsea and stuff like that, and he obviously didn't have success really after 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 leaving us, but. I think for that two and a half, three years he had at the club where he was probably the, definitely the best striker, out-and-out striker in the world at the time. Um, obviously, to have it whilst with us. I think he was second or third in the Ballon d'Or one year. Um, I think the year Spain won the year, I think he was third. Um, and yeah, I think for me, I can't really hate Torres. I think I hated him for about two weeks when he left letter, but I, I soon soon fell back in love with him. I think I got two books by him, got two shirts of Torres. He's just someone I absolutely love to watch. I mean, he was, he gave, he gave Vidic a horrible time and every played Vidic, oh, he yeah. gave him a horrible time and <laughs> that was always good to watch. And he was just, it was, it was, it was, it was, his, it was his long blonde hair and it's just, he was so good to watch on the pitch and he was just, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, I think, for a lot of Liverpool fans, I think he's someone that we just, everyone just fell in love with and I think, yeah, I think even now, obviously, when Atletico played us recently, he went to the game, met met all the players. I think he still got a very big um, bond with the club, and I think mm. that you know, um, I think if Gerard doesn't doesn't work out at Villa, we go a different route as manager. Obviously, he's working with the under eighteens. Um, even Xabi Alonso is working with the Sociedad B team. And I think that even him or Alonso could be good shouts. To be managers one day at big clubs, maybe even Liverpool, if Gerard doesn't work out or doesn't come to us. But yeah, Torres for me, left wing, purely who my striker is. <laughs> All right then. Um, so who's on your right wing then? Uh, Mo Salah. Um, I love I love Luis Garcia. Um, again, someone I've been very fortunate to meet. Um, I love people like um, obviously Masadi Mane doesn't make this list, but he was someone I, I love as well. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of players, but for me, Mo Salah has just been an absolute goal-scoring machine, and he is someone that, again, I don't think many rival fans can really hate. I know he dives a bit, so maybe the diving may not mean that, but I think, yeah, I think he's just, he's got over 100 goals, and he's just, every season he's been at us, he's been excellent every year. He's not once dropped off, with the exception of maybe a few games here and there. Um, and yeah, again, someone I've, again, someone in, in the best period of my life supporting the club, uh, who's been scoring all the goals, and he's just someone you, you really like. And I think he's actually a really good guy off the pitch. Remember, he think about him paying for people's petrol in, in a garage in Liverpool, paying for the whole garage's petrol or every, for every car. Um, talk of him helping someone who tried to rob his house. Um, he just seems like a really good guy off the pitch as well. And he's an absolute icon in Egypt. Oh, yeah. On the, on the pitch as well, he's just amazing to watch. He's just like, every game you watch, you just can't, can't wait to see him. You can't wait to watch Mo Salah play. And I mean, the two goals he scored in consecutive weeks against this season against Man City and Watford, it's just excellent goals to watch. And I think he is this season having maybe his best season. I know he got the goals in the 2017-18 season, but for me, he seems this season even better, in my opinion. Yeah, and yeah, from what I've seen so far, yeah, he'd, I don't know. He's, he's just like kind of up to his level this season. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is, but 
yeah, he's he, he's scored some great goals so far this season, and yeah, he seems like a humble guy on and off the pitch, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, you, I think you, it was a, he was bought under cloth, if I'm right, wasn't he? Was, was he? Yeah, so he was sold. Cause we bought him from Roma. Um, so remember we, Marnie was the first breakthrough signing. That was the start of the 2016-17 season, and then the following year we then yeah went went for Salah. But I think at one point we almost didn't go for him. I think at one point I think we tried to get him before he joined Chelsea, and then he joined Chelsea. Yeah. But I think obviously the club's always been had had an eye on him, and then. Obviously, the season he had at Roma was amazing. I think he's got 34 goals or something like that. And then he obviously joined Liverpool. But I think at one point, we were, we, there was talk that we were going to... I think it was actually on the way... I remember because obviously we and you met abroad. I remember on that plane journey, or waiting for the plane journey to begin, I remember looking at Sky Sports News and it's saying that we were going to go for Jelson Martins over Salah, which would have been a terrible decision looking back at it. That would have been awful um, if we'd gone for Jelson Martins over, over Salah. So... Yeah, he's just been amazing ever since he joined the club. Yeah, he'll go down as one of the greats. Um, I think he is. Yeah, absolutely. I think look at the sort of look at the greats like Fowler, Rush, Gerrard, Hanson, Keegan, Dalglish, um, Carragher, Gerald, people like that. And I think that Salah will go down definitely as an all-time great. I think he probably is Liverpool's best five, ten players of all time already. I think he generally is probably in our top five players in history, maybe top ten, if not top five. Wow. And if he adds more trophies, um, uh, obviously, at his time at Liverpool, then, yeah, he'll, it'll, be, it'll be easy. He'll probably go down as a Premier League great. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. More of the modern era anyway. Um, obviously, when people look back at him, obviously, when he does leave or whenever he does retire. But um, yeah, so who have you gone for as your striker? Is it um, is it Ricky Lambert? Is, is, is he... <laughs> no, definitely not him. Definitely <laughs> not uh, Andrew Boronin either. He, he, oh, oh, El Hadj Juf, the one player I think every Liverpool fan truly hates, even after, even when he's at the club. Um, this one, for anyone who knows me, will not be surprised who this person is. But anyone who doesn't know me that well will, will be surprised by my striker choice. Uh, I've gone for Roberto Firmino as my striker. Oh, Firmino, not Suarez. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think on paper Suarez would get in, but the same thing with Daniel Agger. I just, I've just fallen in love with Firmino. He's my favourite player right now. I've even got when I when I got the Liverpool kit after winning the league, got the Champions badge on it. I got Firmino on the back because he's my favourite player. Even now, my favourite player is Firmino. Um, I think for me, um, he gets lost stick. He doesn't score enough goals, but I think what he does for the team, um, in terms of off the ball as well as on the ball, um. It's truly selfless actions, really. And I think, for me, I think that it's on paper, I think, the likes of uh, Suarez are better. But I think he's just someone that I think um, a few local fans, like myself, just you, you just fall in love with. I think it's from, from his shiny white teeth to his <laughs> silky skills. I think that, I think whilst his time in Liverpool, maybe not, it's not going to be as long as the likes of Salah and Mane. I think he is probably declining the most out of all three. I think that I still love him. And I think that, again, I think for me, my top. I think look at my top players of all time. Obviously, Gerald's number one, Torres two. I think Firmino's number three. Him or Aga or Henderson's wow. fifth as well. So I think for me, Firmino's just someone I've absolutely loved since he, since he joined us. Ever since he scored that banger against Stoke um, a few years ago, and then he remember he scored that hat trick against you guys with one. It's, it's one of his goals. I think the second goal he scored where he went through the whole defence is one of my favourite goals ever. I just love it's one of the most aesthetically pleasing goals to watch as well. Um, yeah, it wasn't for yeah. me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but actually, he's actually my dad's favorite player as well. My, my dad actually loves him as well, so it's sort of a thing in the family as well. We just both love 
think my mum my mum will always love Henderson. That's her favourite player. I think she's got a real soft spot for Jordan Henderson. But um, I think me, me and my dad both absolutely love Firmino, and I think that whenever he scores, um, it makes me really happy. Yeah. So yeah, you got you've picked quite a good um, good team there. So um, before we finish, I'll just go through the team again. So Andy went for four three three. In goal was Allison. Right back was Trent Alexander Arnold. Left back was Andy Robertson. Centre back pairing of Van Dyke and Daniel Agar. In midfield, he had Mascarano, Xabi Alonso, and Steven Gerrard. On up front, on the left wing, he had Fernando Torres. Down the middle, Firmino. And on the right hand side, Mohamed Salah. So, yeah. And the manager is Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> oh yeah, that's I think that's a that's a given really, isn't it? <laughs> He's yeah, probably the best. Think, yeah. Um also I mentioned before that I've met people like Carragher, Smeets, uh, Garcia, and I've met them all through like things like meet and greets. I think I yeah. paid something like forty pounds for or fifty pounds for the meet and greet. And I think for me, if I if I had the chance to do this with Gerard, Klopp, Firmino, Aga, any of these players like that, I would pay the treat. 200 quid or more I would pay whatever you ask for I'll pay it if I had to meet Stephen Gerald and Jurgen Klopp I would pay beyond beyond the beyond the realms of possibility I would pay so much more than what people would pay I would I would pay a lot so anyone who wants to offer me a deal then I'll for it. <laughs> all right so um, yeah that concludes this week's football profile um so this week obviously we had Liverpool be sure to check out our YouTube channel Eurotrips and follow us on Spotify and Apple Music, where we'll be, we will be doing more football profiles um, during the season. So I've been your one-off host, Naeem. Um, thanks for thanks for yeah um, answering these questions, Andy, on your beloved team. No worries. I'll, I'll, there will be a part two as well. Um, I've got a few of my course mates at university that do Liverpool, Liverpool. So I'll do a part two hosting that with some Liverpool fans that I've got to know on my course. So the next time you see you hear my voice will be in part two. Right, so yeah, be sure to look out for that, guys. So yeah, goodbye. Hello and welcome to part two of the Euro Trips Club Special, all about the great Liverpool. I am your host Andy, and on this time I'm asking the questions after part one, which saw me um, be asked for questions by Naeem. Uh, now it's my turn to ask questions to another Liverpool fan, and the guest I've got for this podcast is Colin. How are you, Colin? Hey Andy, I'm good. How are you doing today? Yeah, not bad, not bad, mate. I'm um there's no football on this weekend, but it's a big game next week, so um looking forward to that. No, we'll be fine, we'll be fine this weekend. We can yeah, we can get through. Yeah, well I don't know, I was saying to um people before I think I've never been this nervous for an Arsenal game in a long time because they are playing well and I think that you know we haven't been great defensively recently, particularly in the Premier League. Um and I think that is is a worry in that sense. But hopefully at home we should be we should be good. But listen, listen, Andy, we have the power of the cop end, and we have Thiago back in action. Okay, yeah, let's do this. I'm ready. I'm ready. I mean, I love Thiago as much as the next man, but he's not exactly been his best. I'd say at Liverpool, he's been a bit hit and miss so far. So, uh, but if we have Fabinho there, I'd be a lot more confident. As long as he's back playing, and we, um, you know. Yeah, I think it's a chance. But so, Colin, um, obviously you are a local fan. Um, so I want to get from you um, the reason why you're a local fan. What 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 brought you to um, the attraction of local football club? So back home, I was just starting to play football a little bit, and then my brother recommended like if you're going to be playing football, you might as well watch it, right? And this yeah, was yeah. back in the 
around 2000, 2007-2008 and I randomly switched on Star Sports which is where the Premier League was being telecast and I saw Fernando Torres tearing it up in the league and I was like okay okay this guy has my attention okay I need to start following this guy and yeah, that's yeah. when I started following Liverpool full-fledgedly I like I started following a lot of Man United also because they had like the Tevez, Rooney, Berbatov, oh, Ronaldo, Strikers, right? That was pure illegal. So yeah, that's when I started watching. But ever since Torres ripped apart the rest of the league, uh, yeah, Liverpool had my attention then and there. Yeah, I mean, to- I've anyone knows who's listened to part one, um, how much I love Torres. So that's a good, good reason as any to support the club that it is. Um, now, in terms of your favorite player you've seen at the club. Is it Torres or is it someone else? My favourite player actually is Roberto Firmino. Like, I know we've had like a bunch of legends down the line. They've mm-hmm. like blood, sweat and tears and all of that, okay. But there's just something about Bobby Firmino, you know, the way he carries himself and the way he links up play, his, that, that flashy grin after he scores, you know, those kung fu kicks and all of that. He's like, he's a proper personality, you know. So he's my... He's the player I've been like most looking forward to. Like whenever he takes the pitch, he all eyes on him. Well, that is music to my ears because he is actually also my current favorite player. Um, you, you'd have seen from when I watched um, the Man U game with you at, at the the other week, where I, obviously the player at the back of my shirt was Firmino, and I I think the same thing with him. I I mentioned this again in part one is that yeah, you get a soft stick for not scoring enough goals, but something about his work rate, something about the way he the unselfishness that he plays was of helping out people like Marnie and Salah and bringing them into play. And, and I think he just there's something about his smile, his, his really white white teeth and just everything about him. He's just, you, you just can't help but love to watch Roberto Firmino. So I've got no problem with that whatsoever. Um, that, and I remember somebody saying, I think it was on Twitter, it was some, some personality in the sport itself. I remember somebody saying that if you just watch Firmino for the, for the full 90 minutes, you can see the whole game through him. Like, just keep an eye on him for like 90 minutes straight, and you'll understand yeah. what Liverpool are trying to do, how they break down opponents, what space they're trying to create. Just look at him, and he'll like dictate the play for you, man. That's another thing that's fascinating about the Brazilian. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, rival fans who don't watch Liverpool week in, week out, they always bang on about the same drum the fact that he's, he's a striker, doesn't score enough goals, but. Any Liverpool fan you, you will ask, nine out of ten of them will, will, will be in high praise of Mino. And every player who's played with him are the exact same. Um, he's just an absolute delight to watch. And I think that, I think this season he's actually been all right. I think he obviously he's not starting games as much as he used to. But I think when he does play, he does have, have an impact still, in my opinion. Um, now, in terms of your time supporting the club, you mentioned was it 2007, 2008 you first supported the club. So what has been your sort of, since supporting Liverpool, your favourite memory as a fan? My favourite memory was that Barcelona game, okay? That, oh, yeah, yeah. That Barcelona game. I mean, you have you have like a bunch of injuries. You don't have Mo Salah in the, in the squad, okay? You don't have Firmino in the squad. You have like a bunch of injuries to your front line. Uh, you're down 3-0. You're facing Lionel Messi's Barcelona side, who won probably... Not the best in the world, but I mean, come on. If there's Messi on the pitch, always there's always mm-hmm. a chance that he's going to take the spotlight and take the game by the scruff of neck, right? And I was just praying to all the gods that fine, let them come to Anfield. 
but let's not get battered okay let's at least end this tie with our heads held high and that's all i was asking that's literally it mm-hmm. and then one thing led to another and i could remember okay like for the span like since the first goal went in i had goosebumps and from that moment onwards till the end like the very very end when everybody came towards the cop and they were like rising making crowd like jump and stuff like that i had goosebumps throughout the way man i have never felt like that at any other game that i've watched and that was like very very special i felt like i was there somewhat it was like mm. it was spectacular i mean i'm why i was living in bristol at the time but i went on my own to watch the game i wasn't my mate didn't come he thought it was game over he's a man you fan but um i remember going to the pub and it was it was dead it was me and one table of about four lads me and then maybe one other guy across the room and the more the game went on obviously after the first goal went in especially the more the game went on the pub just got fuller and fuller and by the end of the game the pub was absolutely rammed and it was just full of not only more local fans but also just more neutrals just came to watch the game and it was just an amazing night and it just made it even sweeter that it was obviously they went 3-0 up, which I thought was the wrong score and we should have been not 3-0 down after that first leg the way it went but the fact we had, obviously, Bath were talking about on Twitter about how many goals they were going to score and then have two former players that left in the last five years in Coutinho and Suarez to both be on that pitch when when we scored those goals um, just made it even more sweeter, in my opinion. And and obviously, and the final wasn't the best game in the world, but um, well, obviously, we got, got the job done and we got that win. And I think that that team we had, obviously, losing by... Uh, the league with 97 points. I think that team deserved so much to have at least one trophy at the end of it. And I think the way we played that whole year, and I think it was so nice. And I think really in a way that league, that Champions League probably did help us win the Premier League. I think that having the, getting that experience and of winning a trophy in the Club World Cup and Super Cup were the same thing afterwards. I think having that experience of winning that big trophy gave us that mentality to go on and win the league next year. And I think also losing the league gave us a hunger as well to, to go on and win the league next year. So I think that game had a lot of a lot of permutations. I think we've got to thank as well Usman Dembele for his terrible miss right at the end of the first leg when it was 3-0 Barcelona. Because if it was 4-0, it may be a different story. Um, I think you could just feel it though. I mean, like even yeah, like yeah. once you once you got the 4-0 win at Anfield, I think you could feel it. Like the final wasn't an attractive game of football by any means. Both teams try to shut shop and try to, you know, sneak one past each other. And maybe the penalty was dubious. It was, in my opinion at least, it was like a soft penalty. And I I didn't want Liverpool to win the final that way. But I think you could just feel in the build-up to the game that, okay, this is Liverpool's game for the taking. They are not, they are not backing down now. Not after what happened in the league. After they dropped so many points in January. This is, this is theirs to lose. Like, there's no way... Even if we are, even if if it's nil nil at halftime, Klopp's gonna like rile them up in the at the halftime break, and they're gonna come up all guns blazing. I could just feel it, man. I, it was, mm. it wasn't a spiritual experience as the semi-final, but it was an experience that I would never forget. Absolutely, and I think that I do always think that we were, in a way, I was gonna be playing Spurs. I think that Ajax team, the way they were playing with. All the players I had at the time, I think that that would have been that would have been a much more difficult game if we played Ajax in the final. I think that would have been potentially a, a really more tougher game than it already was. Um, now you may have already given us a slight preview to your answer for the next question, but what is your favourite goal you've seen during your time as a Liverpool fan? 
Corner taken quickly. <laughs> that is lovely. That, that's that's a great answer. But this is it's not just it's not just for the reason that okay it it uh, settled it was it isn't just for the reason that it settled the contest. Okay, the amount of awareness you need to have, okay, as a right back taking the corner, that that the defense is like properly disorganized and you you can try and sneak past in, but the amount of awareness you need to have to like tell the ball boy, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go, and the amount of team connection you need. With your striker, that you're putting the ball without the defense in organization, and he just like instantly finishes it. I know it was like a reverberating goal, and like effectively sealed the contest. And all the Barcelona players had, you know, their shoulders dropped and stuff like that. But it isn't just for that reason. It just shows that you know, Liverpool, Liverpool are playing like really, really good football all season. But that was one example. Of the many goals they scored that year, where it isn't just down to you know a devastating counterattack or whatever. Like they can also be cheeky and they can like find goals from wherever and whenever. And that is why, in addition to everything that happened over the course of that draw, that's why the corner taken quickly is like in one of the most iconic moments. I mean, that game was like iconic regardless, but mm. that goal is the you know it signifies so much more and. Basically ties together Klopp's approach to winning games with the side. Yeah, and we saw, well, obviously, we saw a very similar game only a few years before that when we beat Dortmund in that um, a second of the Europa League. I think it was a quarterfinal, and I think for me that game isn't talked about as much because we didn't win the tournament. Whereas because obviously because we won, we won the Champions League after that four 0 I think that just makes it even a more memorable than it, than it was. Then it would have been say if we lost to Spurs in the final. Um, I think that game probably would have been wouldn't be down quite as much in folklore. But um, I think the fact that we won it really did help, and I think that's probably why now it's probably in the most famous, one of the most famous games, certainly of recent history. If you look at that and the one 0 against Chelsea back in 05, um, I think that if, since of all time, I think that's definitely in the, in the top five games ever. And I think some people even argue that it's maybe the best ever game played at Anfield or the most iconic game played at Anfield. So it is. One of those games that you just remember where you were when, when that game was being taken place. Um, now, we're going to fast forward a little bit now onto the current situation. So, Liverpool are currently in fourth position. Um, so, we are in fourth and four points behind um, top place Chelsea uh, with Man City and West Ham uh, also in the top four. Um, because we played West Ham on the weekend, just gone, and we did lose 3 2. Um, and we'll see Champions League, we've won all four games in what was seen as a group of death with Milan, Porto and Atletico Madrid. Um, how are your thoughts, Colin, on how the season's gone so far? I think we've been been a little leaky this year. I don't know. I I have an inkling of an, of an idea why. But the fact that we've conceded so many goals already, as a, mm-hmm. even though we have like four centre-backs fit right now. We have Fabinho back for most of the games. We were expected to like go back to the 97-point campaign and the 99-point campaign and like get that form back because we have so many of our players back. So in, in terms of that, I think in the league, we've been a little bit shaky. Nothing, it's not a great, like a gigantic cause for concern right now. But mm-hmm. it is still a cause for concern, especially when you consider that we'll, we won't have a Salah Mane Navigator from January. 
and mm-hmm. we don't really have too many replacements on the bench that will just come slot in and like take the league by storm right so it's been encouraging in europe but in terms of the league i think if we don't tighten up right now then we are going to be chasing chelsea and city all the way yeah i think for me i think that um when he obviously when he won that league title in the 2019-20 season we obviously were um looking at the table and looking at the table the exact same point we had i mean we obviously at this point last at this point in two years ago we were top of the league uh with 11 games won one drawn uh only letting 10 goals conceded but this year um obviously it's i think it's a lot more tighter competition at the top i think that it's a lot more sort of I think when he won the league, City weren't at their best. Same with all the other teams around him. But this year, I think you got Chelsea City in particular are at their best. They're, they're so strong at the moment. And I think that really that league title is anyone's really. Um, you know I, what, though? Even Chelsea have been a little bit shaky, though. Yeah, I think, I think like everyone has been. I think everyone has yeah, been. So they yeah. haven't like taken the league by storm or something. You can't look at every yeah. each one of their games and go, OK, Chelsea were the deserved winners like completely like from minute one to minute 90. You can't come out and say, okay, mm. Chelsea like thoroughly dominated and like they've beaten down the opponents. Regard all this, despite the considerable amount of talent they have in the playing eleven and on the bench. Okay, I mean that's that's a good squad. I mean that's easily one of the best in the world at the moment. So I think they've underwhelmed, in my opinion, so far, considering the signings they made and the quality they have across the pitch. So. I'm just saying, like, fine, we haven't been at our best, okay? Liverpool haven't performed up to the levels of the previous campaigns gone by. But even City have faltered. Uh, nobody really counts United in the running. So it's basically down to City, Liverpool and Chelsea at the moment. Of course, things will happen as the campaign goes by. But I'm just saying, not all three of these sides have issues at the moment. It just depends how each of these managers tries to shore up their ranks or tweaks whatever systematic issues they have and especially now going into like December and January that's that's going to play like a major role now yeah I think that we one thing we we may have against us is our depth um I mean I know we won the league when we made no real significant signings um I think that the big loss to me was by Aldham and I think that um you've said before to me and I think it's completely right that I think we were planning on playing people like Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott and sort of splitting up the minutes. But I do think that we really didn't have a plan for for that. And I think now it's it's shown because um, you know, when, when you get Fabinho back, when you get Thiago back and Henderson back, Olsen he is back, but um all these players back, that's fine. But Army Field is full of players who can't who have real bad injury records. Cater's a massive example. Henderson's always injured at some point each season. Fabinho's gets a knock as well. Same thing as that. So our midfield is full of really good players, but a lot of them have really sort of bad injury, injury records. And that's one thing Juan Adam didn't really have. He was always he was always there. He was always fit. So um, I think in terms of our front three, I think that I, I like the fact we're um, getting used out of all four of them. We're not leaving one. Um, sort of out of action that all four of them are having a, having a part to play this season which is good it keeps everyone fresh Mo Salah's been for me arguably better now than he was in that first season he had I think Salah's been absolutely outstanding I think he's probably is at the moment the favourite for PFA play of the year and I can't see anything changing within the next two months Alisson's obviously had a bad game against West Ham but I think he's been overall 
pretty solid. Van Dijk, same thing. He's been pretty good. Uh, Trent's back to his best. Robertson's as good as ever. Um, obviously, there's Matip and Canate. Canate's been hit and miss, but Matip's been good whenever he's been called upon most of the time. I think our team is there, and I think that if everyone stays fit, our first team is actually just as good as any other starting eleven. It's just our depth that we need to worry about if the likes of you know these big players go out. Look, look at Chelsea City; they've got so much depth in those teams. You go, you got what's it, Bernardo Silva, Raheem Sterling, uh, Riyad Mahrez, Jack Grealish. All these players they can play out wide, and they've got um, Chelsea. Have got you know they got Havertz, Lukaku, Werner, Mount, Pulisic. Um, the list goes on. Adzunadoy, all these great attackers. I think that's one thing we do lack is that is that sort of really good back, um, sort of plan B or sort of second team players. So I do think that if everyone stays fit, we've got a great chance of winning the league. But I think if we have players injured or stuff like that, I think that's when we could really struggle. And I think that's going back to your point about African Nations Cup. I think that could be an absolute um, troublesome period for us. Let's put it that way. But um, hoping we've got enough on our team to to get past that just for, just for that month. Um, so, in terms of that, before we do go into your sort of team you've picked, Colin, um, I just want to get your thoughts on where do you think we will finish come May? Uh, you know, three game weeks before, I was honestly of the opinion that we could go all the way. Okay, like this is also yeah. going to be our. Simply because City weren't looking their best. Like they have, it's not just the number nine issues. They've had some issues across the park. They haven't looked too solid either way. So I, I didn't think this was going to be City's year. I knew Chelsea made like the Lukaku signing and they've got like depth back to the rafters. And of, of course, they've got like a world class manager in Tuchel, right? So I, I thought uh, three game weeks ago that would go down to the wire between these two teams. But now that I'm constantly thinking about, okay, like, though it all boils down to, like, okay, if our team is fit, right? But at this level, after competing for trophies for, like, three, four years straight, and we still have to come out and say, if our team is fit. Whereas in, at, over at Chelsea, you can still have anybody replace anybody, right, across the pitch. You have depth in midfield, you have depth in centre-backs, you have depth in the forward line. So just solely because of the reason that I think we're missing one attacking resource and one in midfield, I think we're going to end up second. But not by a large margin, maybe like four points-ish. But I think uh, the Premier League is going to be really, really difficult to win for Liverpool this year, unless they show up the ranks. And even if they do, we've known that anyone they sign takes a while to get adjusted to Klopp's system. It takes at least half a year mm-hmm. for really, really good players. And some players like Minamino still haven't settled despite being hailed as, you know, Firmino's backup and stuff like that. So even if they do sign somebody in January, it's going to take, it's it's going to be an uphill battle to win the Premier League this year at least. Yeah, I think I've, I'm still, I've been convinced the whole year that the league winners going to be wearing blue, whether that's Chelsea or Man City. I think that those two teams are just too strong overall. Um, but... No one's been perfect yet. No one's been outstanding in terms of those teams. So I think that we can still be confident and still have hope. But I think you've got to look at those two teams and how strong they are and how good those managers are as well. And two Sean Pep, that's um, a hard proposition. But now that and the other fact is that, uh, see, we have at least 10 really, really good managers in the Premier League right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like we have Conte who's come back. He hasn't, he's 
taking charge of just a couple of games. So he's going to be out there dictating terms in some games. You have Steven Gerrard back now. Yeah, Liverpool legend. But yeah, he's got a good side, right? Villala are a real good side. They've made some really smart signings. Elsewhere, you have managers like Bielsa. You have managers like Ranieri. You can get like a result, like one-off result sometimes. I mean, he won the league after all. So there are like a bunch of really, really, really good managers in the Premier League. Which is why it's going to be tough this year overall. Not just in terms of like, okay, if you have like spot depth, you can like ace this contest. Just because we have so much managerial depth in the league this year, it's going to be tough for any team to win the league. So nobody's going to run away with it like being a 97-point title or like a 95-point title race. It's going to be extremely difficult, all things considered. Yeah, that's the thing. Because years ago, you look at the sort of the... The late the 90s and early 2000s. You look at the the years when it was always Man U and Arsenal, and Chelsea came to the fold. The teams near the bottom were nowhere near as good as teams at the bottom now. I know you've got Norwich, people like that who aren't great, but I think that it's so much more competitive at the top because before you had just Arsenal, Man U, or I think Man U won seven of the first eight leagues or something, or six of the first seven or something. Whereas obviously then it's like it's only one team retained it in the last 10, 15 years. Um, so it's so much more competitive now. You've got, you know, you got City, you've got Arsenal, you no, you got um, sorry, City. You had Tottenham for a few years. You got Chelsea, you got Liverpool, Man U until a few years ago were always there. So there's so many more teams that could win the league this time uh, these days. And I think that it really is competitive. And I think especially with Newcastle's new ownership, they could be in with that shout in a, in a few years' time. So the Premier League is just competitive, competitive, and it's just really hard for teams. It's the reason why no one's retained it apart from City in the last ten years. So it's um. It's so much harder for me these days to win the league than it was um, back in the day when Fergie was, was the king. Um, but we are going to digress to Collins starting 11. Now, I've given, like everyone, I've given him the choice of formation and it's down to players, not necessarily players, the best players. It, it can be anyone that you just fall in love with. But I will give you my team, Colin, before we begin. So my team was Allison in goal. It was a 4-3-3. The right back was Trent. The left back was Robertson. The two centre backs were Virgil van Dijk and Daniel Agger. Um, the middle okay. three were Mascherano, Xabi Alonso, and Steven Gerrard, with the front three of Salah on the right, Torres on the left, and Bobby Firmino up front. So, Colin, um, first of all, what is your formation? I'm going to go with the four-two-three-one. All right, just okay, because yeah. I want to fit like a couple of more forwards in. Okay. So, who is your goalkeeper? I'm going to have Allison on goal because I think he's a complete package in terms of a safe pair of hands. He's good with his feet and his distribution is like impeccable. And when it comes to 1v1 situations, he's arguably one of the best in the league right now. So he's going to be in goal for me. I have Trent and Robertson on the wing because, I mean, they're literally the best fullback pairing in the world at the moment. Even though Robertson's off form right now, but he's been at the top of his game for quite a while, right? And then, in the heart of defense, we have Daniel Agger on the right, and we have Virgil Van Dyke on the left. Oh, wow. Solely because, he... yeah, because Van Dyke is like going to be nice and peaceful, right? And Agger is going to go to war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've actually got the same back four and the same goalkeeper, which I wasn't expecting. But for me, yeah, I think on paper, look at the best centre backs. Obviously, Carrick is probably a really good honorable mention. But I think with Daniel Agger, he's someone I absolutely loved when he played for us. Having never wore clone on his tassels, on his on his knuckles tattooed. When I was saying on the part one, I had an Aga, Aga shirt a few years ago. I had Daniel Aga on the back of my shirt. 
he was someone I absolutely fell in love with. I think it's a shame for him that he was so injury prone. I think if he was fit every game, he'd have been even more of a legend at this club. And I think he could score. He could play from the back. He could score really good goals. Um, an absolute warrior just overall. So I absolutely love Daniel Agger. Um, so that and I mean, you need you need one of these centre backs to go to war with you. Okay, like oh, if, if a scuffle breaks out, you know Van Dijk is going to be there. But he's going to be you know like the gentlemanly kind. Like he's going to try to like calm it down. Agger's going to go to war with you, okay? You need one of these players in your squad. Yeah, I think this is why you've seen the, the, the best, the best, the best centre-back partnerships for the last 15 years in the world. They all follow the same logic. Look at the Man U partnership. Vidic and Ferdinand, the exact same. Vidic was the, the warrior going to war and Ferdinand was the ball-playing centre-back. Chelsea, look at Terry and Carvalho. Terry was the warrior. Carvalho was the ball-playing centre-back. Even looking at, um, you know, looking at even the Barca team, Poyol and Piquet. I mean, Poyol was the warrior. And PK had a bit of that about him, but he was mainly sort of the more, the more of the other kind of centre back. And I think, yeah, that's what I don't think you can have two centre backs that are the exact same. I think it can work on special occasions, but I think if you can have that balance of the tough tackler, the no nonsense sort of centre back, and then you've got the other one that can play out from the back and use the ball with his feet, I think that it's um, it really does work. Um, it's a winning formula, man. It's a winning oh, formula at the end of yeah, the day. Absolutely. Um, and how is your midfield looking? Okay, then we have a double pivot. Okay, we have a double pivot of Thiago and Fabinho. Okay, in this in, it's, it's a small sample size in terms of Thiago being here, but ever since he made his debut against you know, like a one man down Chelsea, that's fine. But this man can dictate a game, okay, and it's, it's a joy to watch him play. I love the way he handles the ball, I love the mm-hmm. way how he's always looking to pierce. The back line, he's always finding players. He's really, really good at a lot of things. So he's going to settle into the double pivot with Fabinho just there, you know, so he can like mop everything up and like keep the ball and stuff like that. Then we have a three. Okay, so it's a four, two, three, one. Then we have Salah, we have Gerard, and we have Suarez in that three. Okay. This three is going to wreak havoc. Okay. Because, I mean, Gerard obviously is also going to go to war with you. But he does a bit of everything, right? He's going to create for you. He's going to do the blood, sweat and tears part. He's going to be the captain. He's going to do, like, a little bit of everything. But he's going to carry the team, okay? Like, if you're one goal down, he's going to be there. And he's, like, marshalling the troops. So, we got that covered. You have Salah and Suarez on the wings. Two very, very hardworking players who will track back if you need them to. But if you let them be, they'll, you know work their magic and they are like properly properly world class they have been for quite some time and up front we have number nine fernando torres okay this man from wherever you want him to score okay he can beat players on the dribble he can score from far he can finish headers close finishes 1v1s chip finishes he'll do whatever you want him to Mm -hmm. just give him the ball man just give him the ball that's i mean i mean that team i was the tiago one really threw me off because i love him as well um, but that really threw me off. But that is a good team. That team would win league after league. Um, you've got Allison in goal. You've got Trent, Agger, Van Dyke, and Andy Robertson as your back four. You've got a 4 one So your two is a Thiago and Fabinho partnership. Your three is Mo Salah, Gerard, and Suarez. I mean, what a three that is. That's just exceptional. And then up front is Fernando Torres. Um, so, yeah, that concludes our local podcast, our part two. So thank you all for listening. But before we go, I'm going to give you, Colin, the chance to plug your social media. Oh, so my Twitter is called Quicksort. It's C-O-L-Q-U-I-X-O-T-E. That's where I'm 
rambling about football and basketball most of the time so you guys can follow and catch me on there uh, yeah it's fun being on this podcast with you andy this was like a good fun half an hour yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed part one when Naeem asked the questions. And I just love any chance to talk about football, but also to talk about particularly Liverpool. So it was really nice to have you on. So thank you for coming on. And I will include your link to your social media when this podcast is released, which will probably be next week, if not the weekend at the very earliest. But yeah, that has been our Liverpool podcast. So thank you once again, Colin, for coming on. Um, so I'm Andy. Cheers. Thank you, Colin. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>